all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Happy, very merry month of May to you. This is me just declaring ahead of time that it's going to be merry, no matter what is going on in our world. A pandemic, murder hornets, straight line winds that take out your favorite trellis full of wisteria. Yes, that happened to me yesterday as a huge storm blew in around 4 p.m., I think, honestly, it was the scariest storm that we've ever had out here at Keeper's Branch. It wasn't a tornado. It was straight line winds. They say probably 60 to 70 mile an hour winds. All I know is it got really dark really fast, and Nathan ran outside to cover a few things and pick up some odds and ends of some things we had been working on in the yard. And I looked outside. I saw the trees that surround our home swaying in a way that I have never seen since we've lived here. I yelled at Nate and the girls to get in the basement as I called the dogs downstairs where Noah already was. He lives in the basement. And he looked pretty shocked as we ran in invading his space last night. He was so confused because he had just been looking at the radar and he said, Mom, there's no tornadoes. But the thing is, when you're a mama, nobody on television has to tell you to go get in the basement. You just know deep down when it's time to go get in the basement. (laughs) Well, we waited it out down there in Noah's living space and actually ended up having some fun down there as we went through some old photo albums of when Nathan and I were dating in the 90s. And the kids became jealous of our clothes that we were wearing, you know, because the 90s are back. So they started asking us, you know, do you have any of these things anywhere? I currently wear two of Nathan's denim shirts from The Gap that he bought his senior year of high school. And the kids are in love with those, so they ask, you know, is there any more where this came from? So we pulled out a couple of tubs, actually, of clothes that we've saved of Nathan's from the 90s. Noah scored a couple of sweaters and some things that I think maybe changed his life. After our trip down memory lane and getting out even baby clothes that the girls were ooing and awing over, we went upstairs to find that we did lose a pretty big tree, and it's now blocking our driveway, so Nathan's got to deal with that today. And I lost a beautiful trellis, as I said before, of probably 12 years of wisteria growth on it. It blew over and came within about an inch of going through Noah's windshield of his car. I think after everything we've all been through the past few months, the first thing that just came out of my mouth was just gratitude, was just thank you, Jesus, for protecting us and that it wasn't worse. I was grateful that we were all okay and even that he spared us hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of damage. I can't deny that it feels like one thing after another in these days. And if there's anything that it keeps me asking is, what is it, Lord? What is it that you have for us? I cannot believe that he's urging us to just stay awake to him, to his presence, to his power, even to his coming again, to let our hearts become unlodged, I think the word is dislodged, but I like unlodged, maybe unsettled with the things of this world so that we're becoming conditioned all the time to the truth that He is making all things new, and this world isn't our forever home. It's only a shadow of the things to come. Before we get into our text today, because that's making me excited to get into our text today, I wanted to celebrate the amazing response that we've already had of those of you who have decided to take online piano lessons along with me. My friend Chris Brink with Rooted Music Coaching opened up a class, Worship Piano 
just for the glorious and the mundane podcast listeners. And I have to say, I still have butterflies about it. It's something I've always wanted to do, but I've just put off for a really long time. But I've decided to finally go for it, and I'm excited that a bunch of you are in it with me. I'm trying to rope my girls into learning with me as well, as it is a family plan, which I love. So you can buy it one time, and every member in your household can freely use the same content. They also have a payment plan, which is really nifty during this crazy time. But this content is amazing. And you'll get access to Chris and his team along the journey so that you're not alone. And of course, you're not alone because I'm in it with you. If you'd like to join us, you can register now. All you need to do is head to rootedmusiconline.com slash Christy Knuckles. Rooted as in a tree is rooted in the ground. Rootedmusiconline.com slash Christy Knuckles. Registration ends May 11th. And once everyone is in... I will announce a hashtag so that we can all periodically check in with one another and stay connected with our progress. It'll be fun, and I hope you'll join us. And speaking of joining us, if you'd like to become a patron of this podcast, it's only $6 a month to join our little community, and we'd love to have you come along for the journey. You get the podcast episodes before the rest of the world. You get extra resources, including extra content at the end of each podcast. This month, the patrons are also getting a special Q&A episode that will include questions that they got to submit. It gets you the inside scoop on just pretty much everything, including all the details on my book launch coming up soon. You can go to patreon.com slash Christy Knuckles to be a part of it, and we hope to see you join our little family. Well, I'm excited to get back into Psalm 119 today. This episode, we are going to be in verses 33 through 40. This section of the acrostic sits under the Hebrew letter, hey, and it's said just like that, like, hey, look over here. Interestingly enough, it actually means look or behold. The letter hey is also said to represent the divine breath of God. It's even said that the breath of God's mouth refers to the sound of the letter hey, carrying the idea that it is the outbreathing of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. There's another verse along those same lines that I actually love. It's Job 33, 4. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. The letter hey is used two times in the divine name of God. As many of you know, back in the days of Moses, people wouldn't even speak the name of God because it is so holy. They could only write the four letters, Y-H-W-H. And this was God's name up until he announced himself to Moses as, I am that I am. Well, the letter hey also carries with it this idea of the presence of God in the human heart. This is really beautiful, but when God renamed Abram, it is said that he took a letter hey from his divine name, Y-H-W-H, and placed it within Abram's name to make Abraham. And when he renamed Sarai, which was spelled S-A-R-A-I, he took the other hey in his name and gave it to Sarah, making Sarah now end with H or hey. I love to think how this symbolized God's literal breath breathing into Adam and Eve in the garden. And yet because of sin, they fell and God's dream of communion with man was broken. Yet because of his great love for us, he pursued us again and again. 
And here we see that he pursued Abraham and Sarah, the ones he had chosen to fulfill his covenant promise through. And he gives them each a hey from his name, symbolizing the breath of the Almighty into his people again. I can't help but think of how he pursued us yet again, of course, when he gave us his only son, Jesus Christ. And because of the finished work of Christ on the cross and conquering the grave and ascending to the right hand of the Father, those who believe on the name of Jesus, we now have his very breath in us by his Holy Spirit. I can't think of a better truth to fill our hearts as we read our text together today. Remember that this passage is full of two-way grace words whose first direction was towards you. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 119, 33 through 40. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to me, your servant, your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts in your righteousness. Give me life. The first two verses of this section right away kind of give us a little bit of a diving board for where we're going. Each of these verses beautifully display sort of this God-created order that we are called to live in. It reminds me, of course, of the bullseye living that I've shared with you so many times, how living in the center of God's love over us causes us to do everything differently. It causes us to think differently, to love God, ourselves, and others differently. It causes us to make different decisions with our lives. Let's see if we can hear the order here as I read these first two verses again. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. We can clearly see here that the only way that we can keep God's statutes, His instruction, His way, and keep it until the end is by crying out, teach me, Lord. And we can see that the only way that we can observe His law with our whole heart is to ask God to give us understanding of it. So God teaching us His way helps us keep it to the end, and God giving us understanding of His law helps us to be able to grasp it and keep it with our whole heart. This is us getting to fall on the gospel once again today. I love it. We can't keep His way until the end and observe it with our whole heart unless we depend completely on Christ in us. God teaching us and giving us understanding happens by His Holy Spirit in us, which we know is the Spirit of Christ in us. And this is a work that He must do in our hearts, not a work that we must do by pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps today and striving for something that we can't obtain without Him. You might remember when we first started this Psalm 119 series, it was the very week that life shut down on planet Earth because of this COVID-19 virus. And I had a plan for the podcast that I sensed that God had given me back in January, maybe even in the fall before that. But when I started doing pre-production on the podcast and studying up, I started second-guessing that Psalm 119 was the plan. 
at a quick glance, as I shared before, Psalm 119, just it felt lofty and hard to understand, maybe even repetitive. Like I wondered after a while, would we all just feel beaten over the head by it? And I wonder that we might just need to stick with, you know, all the comforting parts of Scripture. My patrons of this podcast usually get a little bit of a behind-the-scenes play-by-play on where I'm headed, and I remember writing them and asking them to pray for me, telling them I just had a little pause of my own with where I thought we were headed. But I look back now with pure amazement. I'm being serious when I say that, like how every single time we have taken this psalm section by section and postured our hearts and saying, God, teach us, give us understanding. Has He not been faithful to do that? I sit here amazed at all that we've learned in the past several episodes because the Spirit of God is revealing His Word to us over and over, and it's been new every time. And hasn't it stirred your heart more to want to keep His way until the end? His grace-forward Word, His covenant promise to us, hasn't it caused us to observe it with our whole heart, all that He's promised us in His Word? It's beautiful how faithful He is to reveal His Word and who He is to us over and over if we just ask Him to. This morning when I sat down to read my Bible, I opened it up and I placed my forehead between the pages that I'm in in Numbers. As I'm slowly making my way through the Old Testament, and I needed help this morning in Numbers, so I put my whole face in the Word of God and I leaned my forehead into it. And with my whole heart, I said, Lord, thank You for Your Word Thank you even more for you, but thank you for your word to us. You and your word are the only thing that we can trust in and lean on in these broken times. And I said to him, as I read your word today, let it be like me kissing the sun, S-O-N, as in Jesus, as in Psalm 212. Let it be me embracing and being restored to the Father once again today. And let it be me inviting the Holy Spirit to come, like our Hebrew word, hey, today, the outbreathing of the Holy Spirit, revealing the Word of God to me today. We need His teaching, and we need His understanding. Otherwise, there is no keeping. There is no wholehearted understanding of the riches of His glorious grace. We need Him in it. So again, how beautiful to start with the gospel here. We don't have to listen to one whisper of shame about how much we fall short of keeping God's Word and observing it with our whole heart. We get to remember that we get to ask, seek, and knock. Remember to sing this song. We must ask those questions that our friend Christopher Ash inspired us to ask. Do I understand this? Can I feel it? Am I willing to sing it? I think in response to that, we can say, God, give me understanding. Help me feel it today. Help me be willing to sing this. I need your teaching. I need your insight. I need your understanding. It's not surprising, is it, that God, who has always been about pursuing a relationship with His people, would give us His Word that is living and active as a way of walking with us closely, conversing with us in it. He created His Word to be interactive because He knows our inability to fully grasp it without Him. That alone is something to sit and ponder today. 
One of my dearest friends is in a new relationship, and I will say that this guy scored a lot of points with me right away when I heard that he had purchased this dating adventure book where each time you have a date, you open a page together, and you do that activity together, and then you take this little Polaroid camera that comes with it, and you take a picture to remember that moment together. For instance, one of the things that they did in this adventure book was that they they took a walk together. It was like a 30-minute walk, and I think she said they had to be quiet, maybe. I may have made that part up, but I think that's what she said. You take a walk, you're quiet, and at the end of your walk, you take a picture together to remember where you were, where you ended up, what the walk was like. Well, not to be cheesy, but God's Word is meant to be this kind of interactive adventure of spending time with God. He made it where we'd have to ask questions and lean on Him to tell us what it truly means. Or even like this date, sometimes we need to sit and just be quiet with it. And then maybe writing down where we ended up. Our journal can be like that Polaroid camera of sorts to remember these moments that He speaks to us. Maybe writing a specific date on certain passages that speak to us so that we can go back year after year and see how God has been leading us and speaking to us through His Word over the years. It's kind of like our own time hop through the Bible. And it's encouraging, isn't it, to see that He was faithful then so that we can know full well that He will be faithful again. Well, these next two verses show us why it is so incredibly important that we ask God to teach us and give us understanding of His Word. Verse 36, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. These verses reveal to us that there are so many distractions in this life that threaten our ability to keep anything until the end. They sabotage our ability to observe anything wholeheartedly. We are a people who struggle with being present, and we struggle with ulterior motives in so many areas of our lives. Maybe I'm just speaking for me, but it's a struggle to just constantly keep in check what the mission of my life truly is, and just to keep the main thing the main thing. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Remember, His testimonies are the things that He has done. Yet we tend to spend our lives worrying, don't we, about what we're going to do, about what we're going to build, or maybe catch up on building when life gets back to semi-normal. Yes, some of us have to do that for a living, but again, I believe there's always an order in us looking to His testimonies first, what He has done, which is evidence of what He will do again. And out of that, our testimony, the things we will do out of His great love over us will flow effortlessly. We don't have to pursue our own selfish gain to make it in this life. We get to keep our eyes on what God has done and work from the rest that He offers those who put their trust in Him. So to keep His word until the end, I don't know about you, but I've been reading a lot about the end lately. We must keep our eyes on what God has done and is doing. We must pay attention to the times and stay awake to where He's working, His power, His presence. I believe this is a warning to not be so caught up in selfish gain and all that we are building in this life, but instead looking to what God is building and how He is inviting us to be a vital part of it. 
Verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. We scroll up and down and side to side. We look to things that, yes, in the moment might bring momentary pleasure, but in the end, they don't amount to anything. I loved my trellis full of wisteria, but in the end, it's okay. It doesn't amount to anything. In the end, we're only truly going to find life in the way that God does life. So this is why we must ask, seek, and knock. We need God to teach us, and we need God to give us understanding day by day. I'll say it again. If we are free to not have to worry about what tomorrow is going to bring, then we are free to ask for God to give us wisdom and understanding in this life. I agree it sounds like a luxury to ask God for these things at this point in life. But if He's promised to provide for our physical needs as He promises in Matthew 6, then we are free to ask Him to meet our spiritual needs. And that is what the singer is singing here. He's singing, God, give me life in your ways. Verse 38, confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. This is us saying, okay, we're only human here, God. So just tell us one more time that your promises are really real. Somehow let us know that you really are going to do what you said you'd do. You really are going to meet our needs and walk by our side in this life. Why? So that we may fear you, Lord, not this world, not pandemics, not any scheme of man, not any straight line winds. May we fear you and you alone, Lord. I've been thinking a lot about the fear of the Lord, and I'm guessing, you know, it's because there's just been fear on every side, everywhere we look. But I'm sure that you, like me, keep hearing day after day another layer of the repercussions of this pandemic that you didn't even think about before and how it's affected our worlds in ways we just never imagined. They say that alcoholism rates are up, suicide rates are up, all kinds of abuse is happening, overeating, stress, anxiety. Well, like I said, I've been reading a lot about the end, as many have wondered Are we in the beginnings of the last days? And I will say this, whether we are or not, I have no idea. I do, though, have a heightened sense in my heart that I want to walk more than I ever have before in the fear of the Lord. I think the most familiar verse we know about fearing the Lord is Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The verse before this says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Isn't that beautiful? I think this speaks right to what we were pondering earlier. It's what this whole episode is about, that every day we have the opportunity to become wiser still, to increase even still in our learning. Why is this important? As I've been in the Gospels many times over the last few weeks, I've noticed how any time that Jesus talks about the end of the age, and if we are or not in the end of the age, this is still important. He always says, be on guard, stay awake, let no man deceive you, see that no one leads you astray. I believe to keep God's word until the very end, we must walk in fear of the Lord. To quote Psalm 2 again, it says, Why do the nations rage at the people's plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. But I love this. This is the God we fear. Verse 4, He who sits in the heavens laughs. 
The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrifying them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. So fearing the Lord is us standing in awe and wonder and honor and reverence before the Lord today that because we have applied the sufficient blood of Jesus to our hearts and lives, we do not have to fear the wrath of God. Jesus already drank that bitter cup on our behalf. Instead, we get to run toward him, our solid rock today, when all else is sinking sand. Fearing God is not us cowering in his presence. It's us running toward him as our tower of refuge. That's Proverbs 18.10. The fear of the Lord when it comes down to it is ultimately about humility and a softness of heart before the Lord. It's us placing ourselves before him in a posture that says, like the prayer I pray a lot from the Ransomed Heart app that I've shared with you before, Lord, you are the true end of all things, including my life. And as our verses today say, Lord, you alone are where true life exists for all the remainder of our days here on earth, and all of them are numbered. Proverbs 28, 14 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So fearing the Lord is us having that soft heart today that is not hardened before the Lord. Psalm 2 again, verse 11 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Rejoice with trembling. Again, I believe this is us standing in awe that we are saved by the blood of the Lamb and that we get to run to God today as our refuge. And as we rejoice today with a holy kind of trembling, knowing that it's our faith and our trust in Him that we get to hide in Him in times of trouble when fear is on the rise. And that rejoicing with trembling also has to do with that humility. This might sound like an odd illustration of rejoicing with trembling, but I'll never forget holding each of my babies for the first time and maybe experiencing a little bit of this rejoicing with trembling. As a new parent, you feel all the feels all at the same time especially all of us mamas with our hormones raging. (laughs) But you sit and stare at this new life, this tiny, perfect human, at least in your own eyes, and you feel a sense of wonder and awe. I mean, you know you had something to do with the whole thing, that's for sure, but at the same time, you're like, how in the world is this actually possible? And you sit in awe that God would include you in such a wonderful mystery. You feel ownership, but yet all at the same time, you feel a sense of humility and even inadequacy to hold this tiny mystery in your arms. And then a few days later, you walk out of the hospital with that tiny mystery. You strap that little mystery into a car seat and to the back of your car that you installed probably two weeks before that. And you try to figure out how to care for this tiny, beautiful mystery, especially without sleeping. And you're rejoicing, and it's beautiful, but you're trembling all at the same time because it falls on you slowly over the next few weeks that it's no small thing to birth and raise and shepherd another person. Can you claim any ownership in the whole mystery? Yes and no, but one thing is for sure. Any little bit you claim, you claim it with humility, knowing that God is the one who makes life possible. It's the same with fearing God every day of our lives. We marvel at the life He gives us. We know we had a little something to do with it. After all, God doesn't force His way into our hearts. He lets us choose. He lets us surrender. 
But little by little, as we grow and we become more and more aware of this mystery of God that we're invited into, we rejoice, but we rejoice with trembling before Him, knowing that only God makes this kind of life possible for us. He is holy, like an otherly kind of holy that we don't know anything about. We only see in part, like looking through a faded, busted old mirror that you might find at an antique sale. We've only seen a tiny glimpse of the beautiful mystery that God is. When we go to church, when we were able to go to church, and I'm guilty of this, we just kind of bring in our coffee cup and we stand there kind of spectating, maybe just checking things out, chilling out, singing some songs, praying some prayers. I mean, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox. Again, I'm 100% guilty, but I can't help but believe that God is shaking us awake in these days to His holiness and also His fierceness that, yeah, we won't feel towards us, but we should tremble in His presence all the more that He has rescued us from it. He is our basement bunker when the winds of life blow through and devastate everything we know. Verse 39 Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. I think this verse is talking about sticks and stones will break your bones, and words hurt a thousand times more than broken bones. This is the reproach that a lot of us dread, even more than any other kind of reproach. Charles Spurgeon says of this verse that persecution in the form of slander, in other words, words, is perhaps the harshest of trials for those with sensitive minds. I'll go ahead and say it. I have a sensitive mind. (laughs) I need the singer's posture here in this verse that he's literally asking the Lord to turn away what he dreads, the slander and words of others. I believe that this is ungodly, unfaithful people that are taunting the psalmist here, who he's afraid of. The psalmist God is not their God. But sadly, as we all know, we can slander each other We can be found attacking our own in these days. The singer here is praying against these words he dreads, slandering words that he knows cause shame and confusion, disruption, discord, disunity. You and I both know all too well that words are a battlefield all their own. Again, if you've been wounded by words, it's so important to remember who the real enemy is. Our soul-killing enemy, Satan, loves nothing more than to slander the righteous, to get us beat down and wounded by words that not only we fear reflect on us, but as the singer proclaims here, that reflect on our ability to remember that God's rules, the way that he runs the world, those are his rules, are good and right. If Satan can get us doubting that, sometimes that's all he needs to do. His work is done. So this is a beautiful reminder from our psalmist singer, probably David, that we can pray against that reproach. We can pray against evil words, words that could even get us doubting that God is faithful and that His ways are good. Those of us with sensitive minds, this is a reminder to be vigilant, to pray against those words, to ask God's protection against them, to not fear these words that are like darts, but to fear the Lord as we ask Him to thwart any plan of the enemy in our lives, especially soul-killing slander. And we stake the name of Jesus around the borders and boundaries of our hearts and our lives, and we trust that the way He runs the world is good and right. Verse 40, as we end, 
Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Give me life. I want to end this episode with an excerpt from Charles Spurgeon's book on Psalm 119 called The Golden Alphabet. And may this give you encouragement today towards asking, seeking, and knocking yet again for God to teach you and give you understanding. Yet again, here we see in in this prayer that, behold, I long for your precepts. I can't help but see that word behold today, like our letter, our Hebrew letter, hey, hey God, it's me. In fact, the pictograph of this Hebrew letter is clearly of a human being with their hands raised high as if to say, hey God, it's me. Look here, I wanna say again, I long for your precepts. I may not understand them fully yet. I need you every day for that. But in your righteousness, give me life today and just teaching me to long for them, to long for you, because I know it's the only place that I'm going to find life today. And even just this longing in me for you is a sweet place to be today. Spurgeon says this, The psalmist can at least claim sincerity. He is deeply bowed down by a sense of his weakness and need of grace, but he desires to be conformed to the divine will in all things. Where our longings are, there are we in the sight of God. If we have not yet attained spiritual maturity, it is something notable if we are hungering after it. He who has given us the desire will also grant us the ability to obtain it. These precepts are grievous to the ungodly, and so when we are changed and long for them, we have clear evidence of conversion and can safely conclude that he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it. Philippians 1.6 Any person can long for the promises, but to long after the precepts is the mark of a renewed heart. Cause me to live in thy righteousness. The psalmist here had life enough to long for more life in order that he might more perfectly know and observe the precepts of the Lord. Give me more life with which to follow your righteous law, or give me more life because you have promised to hear prayer, and it is according to your righteousness to keep your word. David often pleads for quickening, but never once too often. We need quickening every hour of the day, for we are sadly inclined to become slow and lethargic in the ways of God. It is the Holy Spirit who can pour new life into us. Let us not cease crying to Him. The creation of life is a divine work, and so is the increase of it. Never let us forget to pray for quickening in each and every duty. Even the precepts seem like a dead letter unless we feel life in our obedience to them. Nothing is worse in religion than spiritual death. The living God should be served with living worship. May we wholeheartedly see God's work in us today already, a living and active work in our hearts in this season, as slowly but surely we are being taught by His Spirit, learning all the while to not just long for His promises, but to long for His precepts, His way, the only way that will ever give life. I'll talk to you soon.